abhumans. Wisdom, strength of character, nobility of spirit. Do not look for these traits among our abhuman kin. The distrust and revulsion with which they are met is justified. However, in the following pages I hope to illustrate the value of these deviations from the genetic norm. Amongst the oldest Terran houses such as my own, there is a collective understanding of the strata and protocols that define us. This understanding breeds confidence and the ability to command. Amongst humanity's lower orders, though, confusion often leads to unnecessary fear and racial tension. The Imperium survives on its ability to adapt, and the many species of abhuman employed by the Astra Militarum and Imperial Navy are an invaluable weapon in its arsenal. Unsanctioned mutation is a dangerous abomination that will spiral out of control and destroy us if allowed to take root. But a human who has simply adapted to survive his environment can be utilized rather than feared. The determining factor is this. Where unsanctioned mutation has no logic and no end, sanctioned abhumans are a stable, fixed point of aberration. During my travels through the western reaches, I have encountered several breeds of abhuman, and repulsive though they are, all of them have proved themselves useful in some regard. Through my discourses with the rugged, resourceful denizens of Precipice, I have also learned that there is a far wider range of abhumans than I previously realized. I have done my best to capture all of them here, for it is only by grasping the full extent of these genetic variations that we can utilize our true military strength. Ogrins, Homo sapien gigantus. Probably the most ubiquitous strain of abhuman, these lumbering simpletons are a familiar sight in almost every Imperial battle line. Their strength is as legendary as their stupidity, and some of them are so large and powerful they wear pieces of tank tread and armored chassis into battle. Their strength, in fact, can sometimes be their downfall. Ogren weapons, ripper guns, slab shields and the like, have to be manufactured to the most simple, robust design, so that they can survive being handled by these clumsy goliaths. Ogren's loyalty to the Emperor is well known, and they will not balk at even the most horrific foe. But one must always be careful to address them in the most unambiguous terms. They obey every order with infuriating literalism. I once observed a unit of Ogren standing watch over a group of prisoners. A young, inexperienced Militarum officer saw me approaching and ordered the Ogrens to present arms. The scene that followed was bloodier than anything I saw in the rest of the campaign. Suffice it to say, none of the prisoners survived to stand trial. There are other, more sinister risks associated with these brutal abhumans. The small mind is easily filled with faith, they say. And Ogrens are undoubtedly amongst the most loyal of our abhuman warriors. They do not believe in the Emperor in a vague, metaphysical sense. They believe he is quite literally with them on the battlefield, and may well appear in their mess tent, handing out medals. The childlike simplicity of their faith might make it appear that they are impervious to corruption, but even such loyal, unsophisticated souls can be perverted by heretics. 
Their fall is never an ideological one. They are turned from the Emperor's light through the use of mind-altering substances, doctored combat stims, and surgical implants. With little mind to alter, it is worryingly easy to convince Ogrens that their former comrades are now their enemy. The only consolation is that heretics often underestimate the monumental stupidity of their new recruits. I once saw a rogue commissar order his Ogrens to cover him as he advanced. The Ogrens were baffled by the silence after they had piled on top of him. Once they are in the company of the damned, they are prey to all the grotesque spiritual aberrations that afflict every other renegade. And if anything, idolatry and irreligion leave the Ogrens even more brutal and unstoppable than they were when sane. Long Shanks, Homo sapiens elongatus. The ability to inhabit even the most alien environments is one of the many ways in which mankind has flourished and endured where other, less mutable empires failed. Longshanks are unnaturally tall humans who have evolved on planets whose mass has resulted in a weaker gravity field than we are used to on Terra. Longshanks may be observed in many different auxiliar regiments, and they are hard to miss, towering over their fellow guardsmen like giants in a child's story. If heavily armed and armoured, they can make an imposing sight, and their elevation over the scrum gives them a useful vantage point. Their long stride also means that they are able to cross difficult terrain at great speed. Their lofty position can make them an easy target for enemy fire, however, and they must be deployed with care. Felinid, Homo sapiens hirsutus. I have to acknowledge that I have no personal experience of this particular variant, I have heard the name mentioned on many worlds, but doubted that there was any truth to such fanciful tales. I once met a hunter in the Urus sector who offered to sell me the carcass of a felinid, but when I examined the thing it was clearly a fake. A grotesque collection of human remains and animal hides, stitched together and preserved in formaldehyde. However, when Grek saw me working on my notes, he assured me that felinids not only existed but are the form of humans he most respects. He tells me he has fought against them and found them to be the most efficient killers he has witnessed in a militarum regiment. Apparently, they show a lethal cool in the face of even the most brutal opposition. When I asked if they were bestial in appearance, Grek revealed that he finds it difficult to distinguish one human from another, and that felinids to his eyes look no different from me. He also mentioned that they had claws the length of my forearm, though so I've decided Grek is not an entirely reliable source. Afril Strain, Homo sapien maledictus. While most abhumans have mutated as a response to environmental stimuli, some have been genetically altered in an attempt to maximize the inherent potential within the divine human form. Afrils were intended to clone the attributes of the greatest imperial heroes, they are hominids bred to surpass normal guardsmen in every respect. Faster, stronger, more intelligent and able to face foes that an ordinary, non-augmented human would balk at. However, altering their genetic makeup had unforeseen consequences. Afrels, still to be found in some war zones, are universally reviled by their comrades and famed for their terrible luck. 
It is clear to me that great men were born to inspire lesser men, but attempting to merge the two through genetics is a fool's errand. Rattlings. Homo sapiens minimus. I have encountered these diminutive abhumans in Militarum Auxilia regiments across Segmentum Pacificus, and I have always found them to be crude, ill-mannered scoundrels, with no regard for sexual continence or personal hygiene. However, I have also found them to be marksmen of unequaled skill, and tenacious survivors who seem capable of enduring the most hellish combat zones with bewildering ease. I have learned to suppress my natural prejudice and utilize their skills. As well as their accuracy with a sniper rifle, they often have a comprehensive knowledge of every scam and deceit that is taking place in a war zone. In my experience, if you want to know what is really happening in a regiment, the rattlings can provide you with every unexpurgable detail. I have employed a pair of rattlings on several of my expeditions into the Blackstone Fortress, and they have proved useful, if boorish, companions. Rain and Rus appeared at first glance to be cowardly, self-serving wretches, but I have also observed in them some relics of humanity's finer attributes. They would each fight to the death for their brother, and for all their grumbling, they show a gritty resolve that would put many normal guardsmen to shame. Gland Warriors Homo sapiens Orctus glandula As with the Afrils, Gland Warriors are humans that have been deliberately altered by genitors of the Magus Biologus. They have developed a whole host of organs that enhance their combat abilities, giving them increased muscle mass, aggression, pain tolerance, and an immunity to many lethal toxins. However, their psychological enhancements often have a detrimental effect on their mental stability. I employed a Gland War veteran during one of my explorations of the Blackstone Fortress. The fortress has a habit of unearthing and magnifying the flaws in one's psyche, and the Gland Warrior, who began the expedition as a useful slab of armed muscle, quickly descended into a psychotic mass of paranoia. He attacked me after deciding that I was one of the genitors who had experimented on him, and he made for a damned fierce opponent. If it hadn't been for a timely and brutal intervention from Grek, I might not have bested him. Troth Homo sapiens verdantus During one of my expeditions to the Blackstone, I encountered a slave trader who claimed to have visited a world called Vardant. He told me the legend of a tribal king called Nemus, whose people were isolated from the rest of humanity in the years before the Emperor's Great Crusade. According to my source, during these dark times, Nemus swore an oath to protect Vardant if the planet would protect his people. As a result, Nemus's descendants, the Troth, share a symbiotic bond with the forests of their homeworld that enables them to converge with their environment and confound invaders. Over many centuries, this has allegedly transformed the appearance of the trough, creating peculiar, arborous humans with flesh as tough as oak and digestive systems that can extract nutrients from the earth. I will be honest, I cannot vouch for the veracity of the slave trader's story, but I include it as an interesting side note. Neandor Homo sapiens hyanothus. Just as a muscle wastes if not exercised properly, so may the finer attributes of mankind wither 
if not properly nurtured by the influence of the nobler classes. On worlds where the lower orders are left to fend for themselves without the improving presence of high-born masters, a tragic regression takes place, both spiritual and physical, until all that remains is a primitive form of humanity known as the Neandor. These low-brow savages would serve no purpose at all were it not for their impressive physical strength. Neandors have limited language and intellect. But some commanders have found that by harnessing the muscle of these hunched brutes, they are able to free up their more quick-witted troops for combat duties. Knight Cider. Homo sapiens Tenebris. Strange as it may seem to those of us born in the Sol system, there are celestial bodies known as nomad planets or night worlds that wander the galaxy alone, not bound to any stars and swaddled in darkness. These worlds are, by their very nature, hard to locate, but they are more numerous than we have previously surmised. A sunless environment would seem to be inimical to life, but humanity is nothing if not dogged, and even in these abyssal realms, men have survived and even flourished. There are other worlds on which one half of the planet remains almost constantly in darkness, the dark side. And here too, man has found a way to live. Hidden from the view of void-faring invaders, some of the Emperor's earliest colonists have adapted to life without light, developing peculiar attributes. Here are a few examples. Echolocation, a form of biological sonar that enables nightsiders to navigate and hunt despite being utterly sightless. Tapital reflex, a reflective matter behind the surface of their eyes that enables them to see in almost total darkness. Uh, Chemoluminescence. <laughs> Chemoluminescence. I don't know. Blood. <laughs> Blood or other bodily fluids that contain light-emitting molecules, enabling the nightsider to glow. Heightened olfactory and auditory senses. These can be so powerful, the nightsiders can locate an enemy in absolute darkness. As a result of these mutations, Nightsider Guardsmen in an Auxilia Regiment are incredibly useful during underground military campaigns or nighttime maneuvers. Despite these rare skills, their peculiar appearance, oversized eyes, featureless eyes or no eyes at all, colorless or transparent skin, luminous appendages, etc., means they are often reviled and mistrusted by the very people they endeavor to save. Sub. Homo sapiens deformum. Some strains of humanity are so mutated that they become repellent to the eyes of normal men. Skin that resembles rusting metal, heads sunk so low the face peers from the chest, limbs that writhe like serpents, eyes that radiate dazzling light, and so on. Their existence is tolerated in some quarters, as their mutations are stable and harmless but that does not make their appearance any more palatable to their countrymen. Subs are regularly the victims of Ministorum purges, and they live in constant fear for their lives. However, during my travels I have encountered several groups of subs, and despite my initial revulsion, 
have found them to be devoted adherents of the Imperial Creed, who are eager to seek redemption in battle. Also, their mutations, while hard on the eye, often have very practical uses on their homeworlds, enabling the subs to endure local conditions in a way that off-worlders could not. Subs have nothing to lose but their souls, and as a result, they have the potential to be zealous warriors. But where they are hunted and purged, we steer that zeal in the wrong direction, creating an underclass of enemies that are spread across supposedly stable systems. Subs are more widespread and numerous than the High Lords realize, and I believe our priests and witch hunters are in danger of stoking a fire that may catch us all unawares when it finally takes hold. Squats Homo sapiens rotundus. In contrast to the long shanks mentioned earlier, these particular Arab humans evolved on high gravity worlds and as a result are thicker set, broader and shorter than a normal man. There was a time when they were a common sight in Imperial war zones, but during my lifetime they've become rare. I've heard rumors that many of their homeworlds were devoured by Xenos fleets, and they are now nomads, either drafted into auxiliar regiments or offering their services as mercenaries. They are doughty, determined individuals famed for their intractable disposition, hardy constitutions and impressive engineering skills. Their ancestors were miners, and squats are particularly useful during military campaigns that are fought underground. Pelagar Homo sapiens Oceanus In the innermost reaches of the Blackstone Fortress, there is a lake of tar called the Gonsalvo Trench. Most explorers avoid it, unable to traverse the inky depths, but on one of my earliest expeditions, I encountered an inquisitor by the name of Callisto at the very edge of the lake, surrounded by various relics that had clearly been dredged from the liquid. She was reticent to explain her success until we realized that our fathers are both members of the same fencing academy. It is wonderful how people of class and breeding can stumble across each other, even in these most uncultured regions. After this revelation, Callisto was happy to demonstrate her method and summoned a Pelagar from the lake. Belot is a youth of around, I would guess, 20 years old, and hails from a world that is submerged almost entirely underwater. His ancestors evolved the ability to breathe almost any liquid. The most striking thing about him, however, is not his gills or scaled skin, but his musculature. His people live deep beneath the surface of the sea, where the pressure would crush a normal man. As a result, Bellet is a hulking mass of iron-hard muscle, more akin to an ogren than a normal human. When, at Callisto's suggestion, I struck him with my sword, it was like attacking an armoured car. Bellot clearly has other forms of mutation, but before I could investigate further, the fortress underwent one of its violent transformations and we were separated. I'm keen to learn more about this fascinating form of abhuman, but this event occurred several weeks ago, and if the rumours are true, Inquisitor Callisto has failed to return to Precipice. Beastman Homo sapiens varietus as I mentioned earlier, the distinction between heretical transmutation and acceptable strains of abhuman rests on the stability of the genetic deviants. A standard abhuman is no more likely to deviate from its genetic norm than a standard human. And despite that, genetically stable abhumans may fall out of favor. 
While in the western reaches, I have heard that the abhumans known as beastmen are on the register of prescribed citizens, class A to G worlds. Perhaps that was always the case, but I previously understood beastmen to be a tolerated if mistrusted part of our auxilia regiments. Being placed on a prescribed citizen's register is a sure sign that Homo sapiens varietas will soon be removed from the abhumans category altogether and reclassified as Xenos Horrificus. I have to admit, the idea does not vex me. My encounters with these goat-headed, cloven-hoofed creatures have always left me troubled. I endeavour to see the use in all of the Emperor's subjects, but beastmen have no sense of propriety or decorum, to the extent that many of them refuse to use cutlery in the mess hall and converse with each other in what I can only describe as a modulated belch. I have, on several occasions, been forced to call out these wretches for their appalling manners and demean myself by confronting them in single combat. A dueling with such creatures is clearly inappropriate for a gentleman of my position, but these boars are so ill-mannered I have repeatedly found myself facing one down with the blade of my sabre. It is perhaps symptomatic of this coarse nature that so many of these abhumans are to be found fighting for heretical cults worshipping false gods and indulging in depraved rituals in the company of sorcerers, rogues, and inhuman warp entities. I've observed many of these vile creatures during my explorations of the Blackstone Fortress. Some, perhaps, are simply seeking to escape persecution, but others are clearly doing more than roaming the shadowy vaults. Many are gathering in large numbers and are openly hostile to right-minded servants of the Emperor. I have locked horns with them myself several times, but I'm yet to ascertain why they are here in such droves. As beastmen have not yet been declared excommunicate traitoris, it may be useful for me to identify the differences between beastmen who purport to serve the Emperor and those who are outright heretics. Beastmen of any allegiance are shockingly mutated, having merged with animal strains at some point in their ancestry. In general, they have cloven hooves, uh, digitigrade legs, legs that appear to be backwards jointed like the hind legs of a goat, and faces that resemble animals. Despite their coarse demeanour, I have yet to say that I think they are cannier than they are often given credit for. I have seen beastmen act with a deviousness that belies the moronic savage label they have been given. In the presence of ministorum priests, they claim to be contrite and eager to atone for their grotesque mutations. But in some of the specimens I have encountered, I sense an obdurate pride and even arrogance, as though they consider themselves somehow superior to the men they are fighting alongside. I believe they have a culture and faith that they keep hidden from their superiors. I am only beginning to scratch at this theory, but I wonder if it is this hidden arrogance that leads some beastmen to idolatry and heresy. And so ends this entry from the memoirs of Captain Janus Drake, of House Drake. Rogue trader, 12th Duke of Vexus Prime, Stratagos Major of House Drake, bearer of the Senatorum Imperialis Seal of Exoneration, and uncontestable holder of the Imperial Warrant of Trade. Alright everybody, hope you enjoyed that little little excerts from uh, Blackstone Fortress stuff. I'm going through this now, so expect a big video soon, like a lore video discussing Blackstone Fortresses in general. It'll concentrate on... It'll, it'll have a lot more concentration on the newer stuff with the Blackstone Fortress, but I'll cover all the old stuff as well. 
and uh, yeah, I've always, I've always loved the abhuman things. I mean, so um, they brought out a, new, a book, uh, basically it combines the old xenobiology, xenology book. I forget what it was called, like a law book from years ago, like twenty years ago, and uh, this new stuff from Blackstone Fortress combines it together, and it's a good read. It's fun, and uh, yeah, the, the the author is great, but um, and I recommend you pick it up if you can find it, right? But I always love the abhuman things. I always like the idea that. I, thought, I always thought it was pretty cool, and I think the, the thing is, obviously what it is, is they created this, they took a fantasy game and turned it into a science fiction game, but then they had to justify why you've got things that are alien, you know, uh, fantasy creatures, that sort of thing, and then they've, they've, they've run with that and, and developed all these other weird things, like the Nightsiders and the Longshanks and all that. But yeah, how do you get og ogres into this, where you make them ogrins? Well, why would they be like that? Well, actually, if you think about it, it's probably a way they would be like that. I mean, obviously, it's junk science, right? But it's just fun science fiction and adds a sort of richness to the universe. That, like, if you didn't have our humans, it would be a pretty stale, boring existence, really. But I like the fact that humanity's got all this thing going on. I like the, I like the fact that they're... Um, and it's probably a legitimate thing, if you think about it. The stability... They used to run with this a bit more in 40k back in the day. Uh, the, the, the stability of the holy human form. You know, genetic deviances uh, are, are unacceptable. And the church gets in on that, like mutations and all that sort of stuff. I love all that, I love all that. I think it's hilarious, I think it's great fun. But uh, yeah, yeah, I've always loved ab humans and, and everything that goes along with them. It's fun stuff. But uh, yeah, I'll uh, I'll see you again next time. Thanks to everybody watching the video. It's uh, you guys supporting the channel that really helped me do this stuff. Expect more stuff very, very soon. I hope you did enjoy this. It's something I meant to do for a while and this seemed the best way of doing it. But uh, yeah, yeah, thank you everybody supporting the channel. You can see your names going by as I talk, as I rant. And uh, I'll be back again with more stuff soon. Thanks very much. Yeah, please give a like, subscribe, comment in the comments, and bloody bloody blah, blah, blah. See you later. Cheers. Bye bye.